0: Well, happy Father's Day to all of you fathers in the room, all of you fathers online. I want to do this, and I know we do this just once a year, but I think it's worth it. Let's have all the dads stand in the room, if you don't mind. Fantastic. Go ahead and have a seat. Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate that. Being a dad, I'm a dad. Being a dad is indeed a tough job. I think that sometimes we wish we had the chance to kind of debrief at the end of the day, and uh, maybe you watch sometimes coaches in the interviews after the game. Uh, here's a dad after a tough day of being a dad. Do sum up the day. Yeah, honestly, just felt like we got behind early. After the milk spill and the marker on the wall, we just felt like we were playing catch up the rest of the day. Right before you went to the store, you called a timeout. Was there an attitude change after that? Yeah, it felt like we were losing our heads there for a minute, so we wanted to just calm things down and uh, get back to the basics. Did you ever find your keys? Uh, no. No, no idea where they are. You gave them a snack half hour before dinner. Was that planned? No, I lost track of time, just wasn't thinking. And so... You know, three bites of dinner, that's on me. It didn't look like you had many answers to the double team. Is that a question? <laughs> yeah, I love the, uh, I think it's a gummy bear or a fruit snack pulled out of the hair. That's great. I think all of us dads have been there, but happy Father's Day, gentlemen. Uh, you may notice if you're uh, a normal, regular Calvary attender, maybe you're new to us, I am not Pastor Sean Thornton. Uh, I am one of the pastors here at Calvary. I am Troy Thornton. Sean happens to be my brother. Uh, Sean got a kidney stone this morning. So, yeah, don't feel too bad for him. Uh, he preached the nine o'clock. He, he gave me a heads up before the nine that he might not be able to make it the whole day. So I've heard this message once. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, yeah. So, nobody left. That's good. Uh, I actually was supposed to preach in the Chinese church right now, our, our partner out here that meets in our cafe. Uh, Steve Day so graciously jumped in at last minute to, to share with them a nice Father's Day message, so thank you to him. And uh, I don't normally dress like this for Sundays, a little more casual here at Calvary, but I was uh, wearing a suit because the Chinese church, that's part of their culture, so I was wearing a suit. Um, I did have a belt that I often wear with my suit, but it has a rip on one side. And so uh, I told Sean, I said, uh, my belt looks a little weird. So this is his belt. Full disclosure, it's true. Now, I am on the second to last hole. And I think I could make it to the last hole. I won't tell you what hole Sean wears it on. So anyway... Um, This, I think, if you're keeping score at home, you've been at Calvary for a few years. I've been here for five years on staff, uh, a little more than that, actually, about five and a half years. I think this is the fourth time I've covered for Sean last minute, and I did it once for Brian Howard. So those guys owe me, okay? (laughs) But at any rate, no, I'm happy to be here. It works out. It's it's a, a message today, five things my father taught me about God, and we share the same dad. So... This is a a really convenient message for me to kind of step in. Um, Now, it's going to be a little different. If you want to go home and watch the 9 o'clock or last night, um, you can compare and see which one is uh, the real story or not. But these are five things that our dad taught us about God. Uh, John Thornton, this is our dad right here. Uh, Note the handlebar mustache, which he had for about 30 years. I'll tell you a little bit about that later. But uh, I want to just share... A couple things here quickly with you, just these five things. And I want to start with just this phrase. By his example, my father, our father, taught me how to live a genuine day-to-day Christian life that shows the reality of Christ to others. That's an important phrase. Um, Our dad was was an interesting guy, is an interesting guy. And uh, he did every day show us how to live a life with reality that shows the reality of Christ to others. And he was a great example in that way. And we're just going to quickly go through these five things together this morning. I'm going to start out by just kind of introducing you to our dad here, or my dad. I guess I should use my dad. Uh, Some pictures of him. Actually, that one surprised me. Oh, yeah, there he is. Okay. This is John Thornton. He, I think he looks like this, similar. He doesn't have the goatee right now. John Thornton, he's I won't tell you how old he is, but he's older than me. Um, And then this is a picture of Sean and I with our dad just a couple years ago. Um, Dad's an interesting cat, but a good man, a good godly man, and and was a good dad, is a good dad to us. And here's my dad when he was much younger. Uh, I think he is seven years old in this picture, uh, Beeger Elementary School. A picture of him when he was 15. You can see him flexing there. He's a pretty scrawny guy. Uh, My brother was built like that when he was growing up, very scrawny. Uh, It's true. How things have changed. But this is a picture of our dad when he was 17 years old. He looks so young there to me. But a 17-year-old young man, and what you don't know about this picture is while, uh, probably while this was going on, while this picture was taken, uh, my mom who uh, had just gotten to know my dad. My dad, I think, would just turn 17. And my mom was younger. She was 14. He was a senior. She was a freshman. Uh, My dad and my mom were riding in a car together. My dad was driving. And they were in an accident. And dad came away with a concussion and some scratches and things like that. But our mom was actually in a coma for about three months, um, and in those days, in 1962, they didn't know a whole lot about traumatic brain injury, and so her brain swelled up, and uh, she was in that coma for three months, turned 15 while she was in the coma. Amazingly, to the doctor's surprise, she came out of it, but she had a lot of limitations, both physically, uh, mentally, and emotionally. She had to learn how to walk, talk, uh, do everything over again, learn how to do that over again, And so she was saddled, if you will, or burdened, if you will, with a traumatic brain injury for the rest of her life, limited physical ability, Uh, she didn't walk very well, Um, and very limited even just emotionally, and not really mentally, but mostly emotionally. And uh, dad did, out of what we'll talk about later, really a loyal love to her, marry her. They had just gotten to know each other, and they got married in 1966. This is Pastor Brian Jones. He was actually the pastor of this church, Twin Branch Bible Church, um, when I was a kid, actually growing up, marrying them there in Mishawaka, Indiana, where we grew up, at that church where we grew up. There they are. A young couple didn't know what was ahead, except uh, just a couple years later, my dad was in the military, Uh, went off to Vietnam shortly after their wedding. And uh, my brother was born about 10 months later while dad was in Vietnam. Um, There he is. This is 1968. So uh, my brother's much older than me because I wasn't even thought of yet. But uh, there he is. And then just a few years later, the best thing to happen to the family right here (laughs) came along. Uh, But this is our family. And our mom uh, did her best and was a great godly woman in her own right. Sean talked about that on Mother's Day. And then there's our dad, of course, and Sean. I don't know why he's wearing coveralls with a sweater, but hey, what do you know? <laughs> um, I believe I had a black eye in this picture. I was a, I, I was a little bit of a, an ornery fella, so, but don't feel bad for me. I probably deserved it. But uh, <laughs> scrapping around on the playground with somebody probably. But at any rate, uh, there's our family. And uh, here is a picture of our dad years later. Our mom had since passed before this picture. So here's dad with all of his grandkids. So my brother's three are the older three here. Well, the two older. And here it's Megan, uh, Sean's youngest. My daughter, Kylie, and then my son, Caleb. So there's dad with all of his grandkids, uh, whom he loves and has an interesting relationship with all of them. But that's, uh, that's John Thornton. That's the guy we're going to talk about teaching us some, some godly wisdom today. So number one, let's get into these five things. Number one thing that we learned from dad. No matter what you experience in life, just keep growing in the Lord. Uh, dad was always leaning forward in his relationship with the Lord. And as you watched him and understood that, and you saw even with our mom how they were just leaning forward in their relationship with God, uh, it was just an encouragement to keep growing. Second Peter 3.18 says this, here it comes. There we go. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Real simple verse that means so much that we continue each day as followers of Jesus Christ to grow in his grace and in his knowledge. And I learned that from my dad. Second Peter 1, 3 through 8. And this is quite a few verses, but it's real important. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, by the way, 1, 3 here. His divine power has given us everything we need. For godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So, uh, an interesting passage of Scripture. Are we going to read the other two here? Are we going ahead with more verses? Sorry. Sorry. It's a side note here. I guess I'll just keep going. They're not there? Oh, they are there? All right, I'm just going to keep talking. We'll forget about that for a second. I'm looking at hand signals. Once again, this is, this is a, a peek behind the curtain for those of you uh, as we go through this message without really knowing what's going on. Uh, <laughs> me, not them. They know what they're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, it's there. Is that what you're telling me? Oh, very good. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge and to knowledge, self control and to self control, perseverance and to perseverance, godliness and to godliness, mutual affection and to mutual affection and love. The point here of this passage is Peter talks is that as we are followers of Christ, we need to build on our faith. That's why you see these continual attributes of godliness that just grow and add to your faith. And that's the whole point here is to keep growing. Uh, My dad worked at an iron foundry for 40 years and worked very hard at at various jobs at this iron foundry. And one of the interesting things to me as a kid I remember was, one, he would come home very tired and very dirty and kind of smelled like like a factory, quite frankly. But one of the things that he always had in his lunchbox, he carried an old school, you know, one of those black lunchboxes that you can imagine a guy carrying into a factory every day, And in that was the thermos. And around his thermos was wrapped an Our Daily Bread devotional book. Does anybody remember those? Those little Our Daily Breads? It's it's an online app now, which, by the way, is a very good uh, app to use for daily scripture reading. It's still around today. But they used to put out just a little booklet. And my dad would wrap that around his thermos in his lunchbox. So they usually would do three months at a time for daily bread. So by about midway through that three months... That daily bread just had this natural curve of my dad's thermos because he took it every day and he would read the Our Daily Bread devotional every day as he was having his lunch there at the Iron Foundry. And it always just stuck with me that dad was always wanting to grow in the Lord. He was actually an interesting guy in that he always, even to this day, he wants to be learning and growing, not only in his faith, but just in life. I can remember as a kid, our dad got this idea that he'd he'd read about and learned about pressing cider, you know, making apple cider. So we got meat grinders and ground-up apples, and dad made this press with a good old-fashioned bottle jack that you would use to jack up your car, and he pressed cider. Just He was always wanting to do and learn and do new things. And later in life, he actually got into painting. And here is a picture of our dad um, and the two of us and these paintings behind us are all done by my dad. So you can move us out of the way. And uh, here's some more of his paintings. I actually have, I think I actually have this one, but I have one of my, uh, my dad's paintings in my office. And he just got into painting just because he was constantly wanting to grow as an individual, but most importantly, he is always exemplified, growing in Christ his whole life, no matter what stage of life he was in. So that's a challenge to, to me obviously, that I see from my father, and a challenge to all of us, and a challenge to dads. Are you encouraging those around you, a challenge to everybody in this room? Are we encouraging our children and those around us to continually be growing in their walk with Christ? Well, the second thing that I learned from dad is that number two, while being consistent is good, being faithful is better. Consistency is good, but faithfulness is better. Um, Psalm 37, 28 says this, For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. There's a parable of the talents, is what the old King James version of of, uh, the Bible calls it in Matthew chapter 25. It's where Jesus tells this story about a, a, a man, a wealthy man, who has three servants And he gives all three some money before he goes away on a trip. He gives one a large amount, another one a less larger amount, and then the third one a small amount. And when he returns after his travels, the one who had been given the largest amount comes to him and says, hey, I I actually invested this. I know that that's what you want. That's how you handle your money. I worked hard, and I've actually doubled your money. Here's double what you gave me. And that's where that phrase, well done, thou good and faithful servant, comes from. That's what the master or that that gentleman said to that servant. Then secondly, the one who had got a lesser amount, he went and invested, and he actually earned more as well. And he gives it to him and says, here's what I've earned for the money, the talents that you gave me, because that's what money was called, was talents. And here you go, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The last one comes to to this man and says, hey, I knew you didn't want to lose this money, so I buried it, and here's what you gave me back. And the conversation from the man to that servant is not so good. He says, why didn't you do more? You were given this. You should have done something with it. I'm not going to give you anything else because you didn't do anything with what I gave you. And as we think about this idea of faithfulness, is being better than consistency, that's really the idea here that that I learned from dad, is the idea of being faithful is perhaps the most important characteristic that the follower of Christ can have as we trudge through this life in this broken world, is being faithful. I can remember my dad uh, was always very good about making sure that we were at church, And it was a tremendous example that we were given. We grew up in a a small church in the Midwest, in northern Indiana, where we grew up. And in that church, you had Sunday morning, you had Sunday school, and then you had a Sunday evening service at 6 o'clock, which was a whole different service than the Sunday morning service. You had Wednesday night prayer meeting. We had Tuesday night Awana. When those doors were open, the Thorntons were there. And on Sunday afternoon, you would go home And when we were younger, my mom and dad would take a nap, and the thing was, you guys need to take a nap too. And so we'd go to take a nap. And I always knew that they would wake up at 5 p.m. to go to the 6 p.m. service, get ready, and go to the church service. So my brother and I would go sometimes because my dad would take and set the alarm on the stove in our little. 800-square-foot uh, house, you could hear that alarm from the whole house, right, And no matter where you were. He would set this alarm, old-school stove, and it would kind of have that buzzing sound when it went off. And then he would go to bed, and the alarm would be set for 5 o'clock. Well, once we thought they were asleep, we would sneak in, uh, move that alarm a little bit farther, you know? Maybe it's going to go off at 5.15. Then we'd get a little more gumption. We'd go in and do it even farther to the point where it's after 6 o'clock, because You know, we didn't want to go to big church and sit there on these hard pews and things like that. But amazingly enough, my dad almost always woke up no matter what. But even if he didn't, he would get us up, get us ready, even if we were 30 minutes late to the service, and we went to that service. Because to him, even though that's consistency, it's faithfulness that mattered. And I learned that from him. My dad is an interesting cat. He's got an interesting sense of humor, and uh, he, he's just a, a, an interesting character. Here's a picture of my dad, what he looks like right now. Um, I don't know if he'd been sleeping or what happened there, but these are not enhanced in any way uh, as far as the color of blue on those glasses. Uh, he went to the eye doctor and looked at the men's frames, and they were all dull, to hit, was what he said. And he saw over in the women's section all these bright colors. So he went and got those blue frames. He's always kind of liked to cut against the grain. He had a handlebar mustache for 30 years. I I don't remember him not having it when I was a kid. And just a few years ago, kind of when the hipster movement came in and and a lot of people started doing those handlebar mustaches again, when everybody else started doing it, guess what Dad did? Shaved it off. Because he didn't want to be like everybody else. And he still takes credit for bringing that trend back around, by the way. (laughs) That's true. But he's an interesting guy and he can be a bit cantankerous. Here's a picture of him with my brother. (laughs) You know, it's funny. He always smiles and laughs when he's around me, but uh, (laughs) I guess not so much for Sean. But no, dad can be an interesting guy, Um, and this was a phase where he was growing his hair out. He he grew it very long, actually. But dad can be an interesting guy to deal with, And and he's always been one who's just been a little bit different than everybody else. Here's kind of what he looked like. Uh, This is a couple years ago we were visiting. Um, He has this straw hat and this. I told him he looked like an Amish man Uh, and he lives near Amish folks. So he may have been influenced. I don't know. But uh, another picture of him here, Uh, he's with my niece, Megan, and this is more recent. Um, You can see how he's dressed Um, and note the shoes. Those shoes almost glow in the dark. It's unbelievable how bright they are. Nike made them maybe once, I don't know, but uh, they weren't bright enough, so my dad actually bought some dye and dyed them even brighter pink, if you can believe it or not, and got these very bright yellow laces. He's always been a guy who's kind of gone against the flow, but the one thing I always knew about my dad is that he was faithful. He was faithful to his wife, he was faithful to his family, to my brother and me, and he was faithful to his God. And he's always been that way. And I've learned that from him. Consistency's great, but faithfulness is better. Second, or third thing I've learned from my dad, true love starts and ends with commitment, not how you feel at any given moment. It's really important, really important to understand that. Psalm 143.8 says this, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you, Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. You know, the the idea of what this psalm is telling us is that this commitment of love is not just something that is a little flash-in-the-pan deal. This is a deal that we are in, and we are in for life. You think of the love that was demonstrated Not by my father, even though he was a very loving guy, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But think about the love that was demonstrated to you and me by Jesus Christ, the God-man, God in the flesh, coming to earth, laying down his life for me and for you because of our brokenness and our sinfulness. And he did that out of love. And he laid down his life, and he was buried, and he conquered death on our behalf by coming back to life three days later. That's why it's so important and why we have a cross on the wall here in our building in the worship center because it's all about the cross. It's all about that love that wasn't a feeling, that wasn't a flash in the pan, it was a commitment. Christ committed himself to come and to die and to take for you and me the penalty we deserve for turning our backs on him. And you know, the good news is, as Romans 10, 9 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be made right and you will have a relationship with God and you will have a purpose for life and you will have a hope for after this life. Maybe you're listening online, maybe you're in the room. And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you on the cross, Just simply in this moment, discreetly text the word Jesus to the number that's on the screen. You can see it online. You can see it here in the room. Text Jesus to that number, and you'll be given some resources. You'll be given a way that you can got in contact with folks here that we can begin to help you on your journey as a follower of Jesus Christ. Don't let it go. If that's you and you need to text Jesus, do it today. There will be folks up here from our prayer and care team that you can come talk to afterward. There's staff out here. I'm going to actually be out on the patio if you want to chat with me, and we can talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Christ and place your faith in him. Take care of that today. Well, Dad taught me a lot about this idea here, about love, and about that it's really a commitment, not how we feel. Uh, Our mom, uh, she died, it would be 20, I guess it would be 21 years ago this last April, our mom died in a very tragic accident in the home. Sudden, uh, my dad was at work and came home and found her, and very, very disturbing, of course. And I remember um, that grieving process and all of that, and it was sometime later that dad had decided he was going to remarry. And I remember the moment that he called me. He calls me and says, hey, I just want you to know that I'm going to marry Brandy. And it was a, a woman that I knew well, in fact, had grown up with her. She's between, in age between my brother and I. And uh, so, you know, marrying a younger woman, some people get crazy about that stuff. But, um, you know, I listened. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to marry Brandy. And, uh, you know, my commitment to your mother was till death do us part. And I made it. And I, and I completed it. You know, I'm sitting on the end of the line there, and he's talking, and I remember after he said everything he said and and talked about how he committed to mom, and I said, you know, dad, you did. You committed to her, and now you can move on and marry someone else. It's okay. And you know, it it was so interesting in that moment, I remember thinking about that. He said, I I made a commitment to your mother, and and I made it, and I did it. And he was so right. And and you'll hear him talk. Sometimes he likes to talk about these kind of things. And he talks about my generation. You know what the problem with your generation is? I don't know if we've all heard that from our parents. <laughs> but I can remember dad having conversations with us about love and what it meant. That it wasn't this thing where I felt about how I loved your mom. It was that I wanted to commit to her. That I wanted to vote to devote to her. But really, first of all, I knew when I decided to marry her, I had a duty to act and to love her and devote to her and commit to her. You know, life throws us all kinds of issues, right? No one in this room is here that doesn't have a story of some kind of pain, of some kind of brokenness. And even when we come to Christ, that stuff doesn't go away. But what we saw in the psalmist and what he said about loyalty and duty there, we can know that as followers of Christ, our God is committed to us. And we can know as followers of Christ that we need to be committed to him and committed to folks in our lives. Dads, moms, husbands, wives, children, we're all one of those, right? And it's the idea of committing to love. What an example that we have in Christ of that kind of love commitment and not just a flash-in-the-pan feeling. And I learned that very clearly and very strongly from my father. Um, my dad, as I've mentioned, is an interesting character. He's, he's a funny guy. He's a good guy. He's easy to get along with. But uh, there's certain things that he doesn't like to do. And as he gets older, he doesn't like to do them even more <laughs> or even less. I'm not sure how you say that. But uh, my, my nephew, John, my brother's oldest, was the first of all of our kids to graduate from college. And he graduated from Wheaton College in, in the Chicago area, which isn't far from where I grew up, really, about an hour, hour and a half drive. And dad uh, went to his graduation. Does not like these things, but he went. And here's a picture of dad about two minutes in. He's sleeping, if you can tell that. And, uh, you know, my brother was kind of frustrated with that until he looked over and saw his (laughs) father-in-law, John's other grandparent, asleep as well. And a couple years later, the second of all of our kids to graduate from college was my brother's daughter, Katie. And here's a picture of (laughs) the two grandfathers at Katie's graduation with uh, a grandmother in between there. Leslie's mom. But you know, the cool thing is, you look at that, he may have not liked it and he may have been sleeping, but he was there because he loves and shows love by commitment. And what a great thing it is for us to think about showing love by our commitment to people in, li- in our lives and our commitment to our Lord and our Savior. Well, the fourth thing that I learned from dad is one of his favorite sayings life's a rock. Get over it. Um, Job 121 says this. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. My, that may the name of the Lord be praised. What a perspective from Job, a man who had so much trouble. And then we look at 1 Corinthians thir- excuse me, 13, 4 and 8. And what it says about love, this is kind of the love passage in Scripture, it talks about love being kind and not being rude. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, yeah. that's we're, I'm in the wrong verse, aren't I? No, I'm, I'm on the wrong one. You guys did a good job flexing there. Well done. That was under the love one that I just covered. We're actually on a different verse, but those are good verses, all right? I am a supporter of these verses. I feel like I'm running for office. Yeah, you know, what are you going to do, you know? I'm going to blame Sean. His outline wasn't clear. So these are great verses that I should have talked about on that last point. So just remember that we should have talked about those. But Job 121 talks about, naked we came from our mother's womb, and naked we'll depart, you know, that life's going to give us trouble, but you know what? It's okay. May the name of the Lord be praised. Hebrews 13.5 says this. God has said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Life's a rock, but you know what? You've got a God who is the rock, right? And he's never going to leave us, and he's never going to forsake us. Look at what Philippians 4 says, 4.11 Says this, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances, and I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. We hear that Philippians four thirteen, that verse a lot, right? And we think it's this idea of I can do anything that I want to do because God gives me strength. This passage, these verses in their context are talking about contentment, that we can be content. The all things is, I can be content. I can do all things. I can be content no matter what because Christ is the one who gives us strength. That's the point of Philippians 4.13. So the idea here is life is going to have trouble. Life is going to be difficult. But you know what? We have to live. And we have to move forward. goes back to that growing thing that we learned from dad. I don't know how many of you remember back in the 80s a store called Chess King. Did you have those out here on the West Coast, Chess King? Okay, I got one nod from... Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Fellow 80s guy right there. Chess King was this store that had like the, the, the latest, greatest clothes and everything. And that's where you wanted to shop. And I was about 13, 14... And I remember, you know, you start getting interested in what you wear and how you look about that age. And I remember talking to my dad. I'm like, Dad, I want to go to Chess King and I want to buy some pants. And dad's like, well, you better go get a job. (laughs) I'm like, what? He's like, get a job. You know, you're old enough now. You can go get a job and you can earn money and you can shop wherever you want. You you can buy, you can go to Chess King, go to Kmart, I don't care. But go get a job and you can buy your own pants. And now you might be thinking, wow, how cruel is that? And at the moment, I was kind of like, wow, how cruel is that? (laughs) But in all actuality, what he was doing is he was teaching me. He was teaching my brother because he did the same thing to my brother. About 13 or 14 was, hey, you know what? Life is going to be difficult, and you're going to have to wade through that difficulty, and you're going to have to get over it. But all the while I knew that he was there and he he certainly didn't let us go unclothed (laughs) and he took care of us. But it was this concept of life is going to have trouble. But you know what? Like those verses we read, no matter what circumstance you're in, you can be content because you have a savior and you have a God who loves you and will walk through life with you. And I learned that from dad. And there's times where I didn't really like it, but I did learn it. And it doesn't matter how tough life gets. You know, our home, if you've read, my, my brother wrote a book about our, our upbringing. It's called, that's um, <laughs> terrible, I'm blanking on the name of his book. All But Normal, thank you. All But Normal, Life on Victory Road. Um, and it just, it's, it's a memoir. And yeah, we had a difficult home that we grew up in. Because of our mom's traumatic brain injury, she was very volatile and would have fits of rage and violence. And and at one point when we were, I don't know, I think I was about 11 or so, that um, my mom actually was institutionalized, taken from our home and institutionalized. We didn't see her for several months. And you know, that was tough. But dad was always saying, look, we're moving forward. I remember at that moment when our mom had been uh, institutionalized that it was kind of this phase her back into the home uh, setting or, or concept that was going to take place. And my dad would go and have dinner with her, but she would not stay and she wouldn't stay home and we wouldn't go. Sean and I wouldn't go. We stayed with our grandmother. And I remember the, the day when dad had his first meal with mom. Next day, he sat us down. And he said, all right, guys, here's the deal. We got to change how we deal with mom. We have been adding fuel to this fire. We've been part of the problem. And you know what? We're going to learn, I'm going to learn how to deal with mom better because it can't be like before. And I remember that and I I just remember the moment of, man, this is tough, but you know what? We're going to get through it. And we're going to get through it because we have a faithful God and because... We're going to keep moving forward, and we're going to grow, and we're going to change. So just another testament to how dad taught us about growing and about living life and understanding it's tough, but we got to keep moving forward. Last thing, fifth thing, and, and dad is a big proponent of this, it's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to say, I don't know. Uh, Chronicles 20:12 says this, Our God will not judge them. Well, I'm sorry. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. John 9, 25 says this, Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know I was blind, but now I see. That's the blind man that Jesus healed. Look, there's a lot of stuff we don't know. You know, there have been people studying theology for 2,000 years, since the, the resurrection of Christ. And there's a lot of stuff we don't know. There's a bunch of stuff we don't know about the universe. Scientists are trying to figure it out all the time. And it's okay for us to say, I don't know. Socrates said this, Wisdom is knowing what you don't know. My dad would say it this way. I don't think he ever read Socrates at that time. He may have. But my dad would say, the most important thing you need to know is what you don't know. And then it's okay to say, I don't know. I can remember times asking dad questions. He'd go, I don't know. I remember a time when he had asked us to do some things around the house. He asked us to do some siding on uh, the garage. We had an old home that was built in the 30s and we had cedar shake siding on the side of the house and there was a part that needed to be patched and it was spring break. Dad took us out to the garage and there was a box of these cedar shake shingles that clearly looked like what was on the side of the garage. And dad said, I want you boys to uh, put these on the, ho- on the garage tomorrow. I'm like, well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably 12. I'm like, man, I, I, I don't know how to do this. he said, well, here's all this stuff, and uh, last time I checked, there was a library in this town, and you got a bike. Okay, fair enough. So next morning, get on your bike, go to the library, sure enough, and my guess is, is he had gone and looked. There was a book on how to side with Cedar Shake Siding. So we get the book and get it out, and all right, what do you think? I think, okay, and we did it. And the whole point of what he was trying to teach us was... You don't know something, that's okay, but you might want to figure it out. <laughs> but it's okay to say, I don't know. Here's the guy who, who you know, Dad, I don't know how to do that. Well, that's okay. You can figure it out. But the most important thing I learned from him is that even deep things that we don't know, our God has it under control. You know, our mom had this whole thing with her brain. And people couldn't figure it out, psychiatrists, psychologists, and and she struggled her whole life with, with mental illness, essentially, and physical limitations. She could never drive a car. She could never get a job. And we really didn't know, even sometimes day to day, how things would go at home. But we had a God who did know. And we had a God who knew the purpose for my mom's accident, It may have been simply that my dad and her father came to Christ through that whole experience. That may have been it. I don't know. But I know that God has it in his hands. And I know no matter what's going on in your life, God has it in his hands. Well, those were the five. Here's the bonus kicker at the end, okay? One more thing. The bonus is laughter is indeed the best medicine. Proverbs 17:22 says this, a cheerful heart is good medicine but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. This is a biblical thing. Another proverb says a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy from the book of Job. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy, then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Laughter's throughout the scriptures. And laughter, believe it or not, even though we had this explosive home where the police came and took my mother away one night and put her in an institution where things were thrown, where there were shouts of expletives frequently, we still had laughter in our home. And uh, my dad is a really funny guy. And it's kind of one of those things, too, where somebody that just gets you, you know, that can, can guy, kind of give you one of those zingers and you just lose it laughing. When, dad, when my brother and I get with dad, it's, he, he can say things and we will just cry laughing because he's so funny. Um, and laughter was a huge part of our home. And I think it's important for us to understand that we need to enjoy life. We need to enjoy life. And that we need to understand that God has given us this gift of this life. And if we're followers of Jesus, we are to enjoy this life. And that even amidst our troubles, laughter can be something that can be so helpful and so healing in our lives. So enjoy life no matter what. You know, our our dad is uh, the home that we grew up in. You know, dad shouldered a lot of stuff. You know, uh, our mom really couldn't even care for the home. Um, if you've read my brother's book, uh, we washed dishes in our home to eat, not after we ate. Uh, if you can imagine three guys who were somewhat clueless living with, with someone who had a lot of difficulty and tried very hard, but just couldn't do a lot of things physically, uh, like clean our home. You know, she, she didn't do the grocery shopping. She didn't do any of that. She couldn't drive. Dad did all of that. He put all of that on his shoulders, and yet my memories of our home really aren't overshadowed by some of the, the turmoil and messiness that was going on. What overshadows me, in my mind, is the joy and the laughter. You know, and dad, you know, there wasn't a lot of lovey-dovey hugging and, and you know, gee, boys, I really love you and come on, bring it in here kind of stuff. And it was interesting, after my brother wrote his book, sort of trying to gauge how Dad felt about it, of course, Dad was a big part of Sean writing that, but the first time that Sean and I saw Dad after the book, as a matter of fact, we went on what we we refer to now as the book tour, which is uh, we signed some copies of books in our hometown and one other bookstore. I think we did, we signed copies in two bookstores, so that was the book tour of my brother's tour. Um... But uh, nonetheless, it was kind of cool. When we went and did the book tour, we went, Sean and I flew out there and went to pick up dad to go on the tour. And uh, he'd read the part in my brother's book where he talked about the fact that we didn't have this lovey-dovey hugging home, right? And uh, the first time we saw dad, after the book was written, dad read that, never said a word about it, but th- this is the greeting that he gave us. His wife caught it on scripture, on uh, the picture, So uh, he comes in and hugs us. And of course, after he hugs us, he says something funny, so we're laughing. But it's kind of interesting. Often when I go see dad, now he'll hug you and he'll say, I love you. Again, just a testament to a guy who's in his 70s, late 70s, who can still learn and grow. But the point of this is, here's a guy who really had a hard life, uh, worked in a foundry, uh, quite frankly, didn't like his job for 40 years, but stayed with it because that's what he had to do to provide for his family. But here's a guy who has always taught me, for those of us in this room, here's the takeaways. Learn, enjoy life, and influence others for godliness. So those things I've learned from my dad, stick with me and they'll go with me, and hopefully I'm passing them on to my kids too. And hopefully dads, you in the room, you're doing the same. You're passing on the idea of learning and joy. Enjoying life and influencing others for godliness. We have a challenge before us, right? Living life. But I'd like to think that these five things are encouraging to you as you follow Christ and as you influence those around you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you, God, that you are the God that forgives That you are the God that heals. And today on this occasion of Father's Day, as we talk about what we can learn from our dads, from you ultimately, our Heavenly Father, I pray that we could move from here encouraged to live our lives and influence others around us, whether we're a dad, a mom, a friend, coworker. God, you gave so much for us on the cross that we could have a life with purpose. I pray that we would live it just like that, with purpose. Thank you so much, God, for the opportunity we've had to be together to worship you and in joy and in spirit and in truth. In your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.